Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Welcome to Oh Captain, my captain. My name is Mark Olver. I am here with the magnificent poncho wearing Ricky Masindo. Hello, Mark. How's it going? Do you know what? I'm all right, thanks, bud. So I'm going uh, white linen shirt today. I've got what I uh, got uh, linen shorts on. You've gone poncho. Oh, that's because you're a functioning adult and I am a 22 year old man. 22-year-old student. Yes, 22-year-old student. Yeah, 22-year-old man sounded weird in my mouth. Yeah, but that's absolutely... Never say a 22-year-old man feels weird in your mouth. That is a whole <laughs> different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, I have got two things I want to talk to you about Uh in the preamble today uh we're doing a show today all about uh comedy competitions which we have touched on uh briefly with angela barnes in the past um but uh i want to go further into it uh today for several reasons number one i think there's going to be a lot of comedy competitions for new acts starting to come back uh and they're a really good way of uh, getting into comedy. And number two, and most importantly, um, whenever we put an industry-specific podcast up, loads of people listen to it. And so I am a thirsty hoe for those podcast listens. So um, whatever we do in the future now, we'll just make it seem as if it's a really important industry-style podcast. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, I think that definitely works. And we'll put like one of those YouTube thumbnail pictures that looks shocked at what's in the video or the or the actual podcast. Or we uh, do different emojis for uh, money. And we're just like, <laughs> you know, like cash money, like dollar, dollar, dollar. And people go, oh, I'm going to, I bet that's a way of doing it. We'll become, we'll become the podcast equivalent of clickbait. Yeah, I say we sell out almost immediately. Might as well. Oh, uh, mate, mate, 14 episodes in. Let's sell out. I'm more than <laughs> happy with this. I want to franchise this. Um, so so that's what we're doing today. But there are two things I want to talk to you about uh, before we start. Um, I want to talk about the podcast itself, and I want to talk about uh, gigs. They're sort of related, the two questions I've got. Which order do you want to do them? Podcast stuff first or gig stuff first? Podcast stuff first. Let's do it. Okay. So I listen to the podcast uh, every week. Uh, I am one of our listeners because <laughs> I don't want to put it out in case I don't want to tweet about it uh, in case I hate it and I'll never hate it because we do a good podcast and you edit it. But I'm always like, I just, it's a superstitious thing yeah. I'm like, on a Saturday when I'm driving back from a late night during warm up, I listen to it and I really enjoy it. However, I have noticed that I talk a lot. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I talk all the time. I am a big talker. Now, you love a chat. I love a chat. And I'm aware, I was listening to the Rooney Tawa one, and 
I think we have a nice balance because I'll talk and then I hope that you feel comfortable coming in and going, I want to know about this. I want to know about this. And I try my best to bring you in. But I think at some point during this podcast, we have to kind of, the, I, I, I like the idea that eventually student becomes teacher and then you'll be like, hi, welcome to O Captain, my captain, you know. So, but I wanted to bring that up on the podcast because we chat before this and this was probably, yeah. that was probably the best time to do this off air informally. But I'm like, no, fuck it. Let's do it in public um, where we can talk about the balance between my chat and your chats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I guess because... Oh, I was literally just about to go. I was literally just about to say, do you ever feel... Do you ever... I was literally... (laughs) Okay. I was literally just about to say, I was literally just about to say, do I dominate? And then you were just about to say something, and then I was dominating. So, uh, perfect. That's okay. funny. You don't, you don't dominate. You don't dominate. It's mostly because we're over Zoom. So I know I edit this podcast. So I'm like, if I try and come in here and two people are talking, I'm going to have to deal with that mess of an interaction. So I'm just like, whatever keeps it flowing the best, pretty much. Um, but also, also, I'd say you do a good job of like bringing in the guests and then bringing me in and then coordinating the whole thing. And we've just kind of done that without uh, even talking about it. But I think it's going to be really interesting over time to start watching that dynamic change a little bit. I think that's going to be really fun yeah. uh, that we'll get into situations where we'll be chatting to someone, I'll say something, and you'll go, uh, one moment, over. Uh, I'm coming <laughs> in. I really, <laughs> I really, I really like that. Uh, but yeah, I was listening to the Rooney one, and I was just like, especially when we talk about race, um, I sometimes, I was listening to myself going, but you know what? I should let the black guy talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would I be like, helpful. Oh, oh, this, <laughs> this, this Asian guy and this black guy. I'm sure they've got opinions on race, but I want to. I want them to hear mine first. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That looks so much worse because I don't know if you noticed, but I called that episode's bracket starring Mark Olver. Oh, I noticed, mate. I noticed. Yeah. It made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it is starring you. You're the centre stage. We're your supporting <laughs> characters. And that stuff, I really like that stuff because I, I do I do think that we, uh, that we have managed to find a way to talk about that sort of stuff and, and not just race, but comedy and, and everything in a way where we are having the conversations that I think, I don't think enough people are having. Like I genuinely think this. I mm. When I listen to other podcasts and listen to people talking about comedy and listen to people talk about diversity in comedy, I genuinely think this might be one of the few podcasts where that stuff actually happens. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it seems like, it seems like from the comedy podcasts that I listen to, most of the time people are talking about how restrictive the new rules on comedy are like the free speech angle being like oh you can't you can't say anything anymore that kind of thing so it's like i, I guess we take it from a different perspective 
Yeah, but it's it's just having it's just being able to have that conversation. It's it's being able yeah. to have the diversity conversation without worrying. And I think we make it funny, but I also think it's it's important to have. I've got a new bit of material, um, which you might have seen me do. Uh that stuff about swimming. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Um and I've started working up this bit of material about the fact that I am a 46-year-old man who cannot swim. And uh, I, I don't know if you saw me do the stuff about my toenails. No. Um, and, no. and basically what I'm trying to do as a 46-year-old man is talk about things that I am ashamed of, to talk mm. about things that I have never spoken about enough. Mm. Um, and... And so I think the idea of having conversations about that stuff, my toenails, my uh, not being able to swim, and I'm not going to go into this because no one wants to listen to this, but the fact that some people stand up when they wipe their ass and some people sit down when they wipe their ass. And <laughs> that great debate. <laughs> I'm trying to bring these things out in the open and not make them worthy, but at the same time, try and have conversations about it, which is why I wanted to have a conversation about the fact that sometimes I listen to the podcast and I'm like, Olver, I am bored of your voice. <laughs> you know, I've also kind of on the same vein because I listened to the beginning of it so many times. I've been working on my impression of you when you when you start the podcast. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You always do you want exact. Yeah, of course I do. You always do the exact same thing. It's always like this. It's always like. Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain. I'm Mark Olver, and I'm joined today by the soda stream quaffing Ricky Macindo. Morning, Ricky. That's good. The, the Oh Captain, My Captain, it does <laughs> always come in. I don't think you sound like me. No, no, it's just the cadence. It is just the cadence. But do you do, uh, do you have a white person's voice? You know, uh, there's a bit in uh, Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, when they go into a house and they try and sound less black by yeah. doing, uh, because I've got a fairly bassy voice, but yeah. um, I don't, I definitely don't, do you, I don't have a black voice. Do you, can you, uh, Rosie Jones does an impression uh, sometimes, which is very funny. Uh, Rosie Jones, brilliant comedian, uh, disabled comedian, got cerebral palsy. Sometimes she will do an impression of what able-bodied people sound like. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it's really funny. funny. Do you have funny. a Do you have a white person impression? I feel like my white person impression is my own voice by what other black people tell me. <laughs> Let's yeah. <laughs> mess around. So, but this leads on to a conversation about gigs. Um, and we're going to do our episode in a minute. I feel that they are probably uh, close by. But I wanted to ask you, uh, it's a little bit about being bored of yourself. You yeah. said to me just before we came on that you did a gig last week. There weren't many people in. Um, so you didn't do your material. You just did crowd work. Yeah. Uh, is that because you were a little bit bored of your own material or did you just think to yourself, I want to try something else? Kind of both. Like, um, cause I've done so few gigs, I'm still trying to work at the same material. So it's like, it does get, it does get boring in a sense when you're doing the same thing over and over again. But at the same time, 
in that specific gig because of the nature of like the small room and like the 10 to 15 people in the room it felt weird saying jokes that were pre-written when I had to kind of just be in the room and react to things that were actually going on in the room and reference things that had happened previously in the night um but yeah it is strange because I do the most fun Thing. The most fun time to perform is when you have new material, I think, that you properly back. So if you have material that you haven't performed very much, but you're like, yeah, let's let's do this. This should be good. That's the most fun. But when you when you're doing your old classics or whatever, that's that can be quite boring. Especially when you've done your, oh, I love the fact that you describe some of your stuff twenty four gigs in as old classics. I wow. really like that. Uh, <laughs> the you classics know, give people what they want. But um, but yeah, this was a small gig. There weren't many paying punters, and half the audience were comedians as well. <laughs> yeah. Did you? But you've also done a couple of big gigs as well. So did that feel a bit weird going from? 35, 40 people, 100 people, all the way to like, here are eight real audience members. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's like, it's like what Nish said, where he was like, you start comedy kind of backwards, where you do the hardest stuff first, and then you do the easier stuff. For, for me, I had some, I had some hard gigs, and then I did Lakota, for a bit for a bit like a few times and then i got used to that and then i went back to the normal hard gigs so it's like going back to it now it's made me realize i'm so much more comfortable in front of a lot of people than in a small room or even like in a room that's not a stage so I think I could do, I could like, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not saying I need an arena to be happy. It's more, it's more, I find it difficult to perform. This is going to sound awful on the same level as my audience. Much. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know how much you've seen me at some of those small gigs. Where, those small gigs that we do in Bristol, Mr. Wolf, some of the other ones yeah. where um, I can go a little bit weird. I walk, <laughs> I walk through the audience. I stand on chairs. I yeah. Um, there was a comedian, and do, do you know what? We I think one day we might do a a program about him. We can't interview him because he's dead. He died uh, last year. A guy called Ian Cognito, who mm. um, was uh, based in Bristol, just outside of Bristol. Um, he got in the news last year when he died because he died on stage. He died. Oh, died wow. Um, a gig in Bista for my friend Andrew Bird. Um, and Incognito Cogs was a legend on the British comedy circuit. Um, never did a lot of telly, but was an absolute his his funeral and his wake. I it was absolutely amazing. It was like mm -hmm. it was just so many comics there. It was a proper party. But because he lived on a boat just outside of Bristol and couldn't drive for lots of different reasons, he yeah. um, he wasn't allowed to drive for lots of different <laughs> reasons. He, um, he was someone that we all saw a lot when we started. Myself, Russell, mm. John Richards and John Robbins. We would drive cogs to gigs and... He didn't change his material around enough because he was busy doing other things like drinking. But he, <laughs> um, but what he did do was his performance was incredible. 
like his his performance technique, the way he could go into the audience, the way he'd not used a microphone, he he would be absolutely amazing. And I was really lucky to be able to learn as an open spot how to do those informal, mm. strange little gigs from watching someone like Cognito. And I think if we can one day try and do an episode about what Cogs used to do, I think for good and bad, I think that would be a really good thing for comedians. You, you would have benefited from watching Cogs and then going in doing that little gig you did last week. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That would be really helpful. Um, I think we are joined by at least one of our participants, but this is the first Oh Captain, My Captain with two guests today. Yeah. So we're going to talk comedy competitions in a minute. We're going to introduce our guests properly so we can do it like a proper formal show. And just to let you know, I've already got the title for this episode in my head, by the way. Here we go. Wow. So, so we are doing comedy competitions, the heist. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so we have our guests in the room. We've already had a little bit of a chat with them. We've set the ground rules down for this conversation today because we are talking about comedy competitions. Uh, we're talking about their experience of comedy competitions. Um, and basically, in the chat, we also were talking about relationships, bears, otters, cubs, uh, badass bitches, and situationships. And uh, so for the next hour, Josh Jones and Takisa were keeping this fully professional. Okay. Of course, of course. But can I just say, both of you look hot as fuck today, so... I mean, insane. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Made an effort, made an effort. I was like, just never in case they do record it, I was just like, mm, let's just put on some makeup. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Sakisa has met Ricky uh, on uh, the panel show that uh, I did, but Josh Jones, you have not met uh, no. Mr. Ricky Masindo. Just been not. introduced to the young ting. Yeah, the young ting. <laughs> that's what Sakisa's calling him, and that's what I'm calling him. The young ting. Yeah, that's what they call me on the streets. <laughs> yeah. What streets? <laughs> yeah, the streets of Bedford and Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if Ricky is the young thing, how old are you, Josh? I'm 28. And how old are you, Saki, sir? Let's not talk about that. Okay, so but, next question. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, if I think all three of you are young things, yeah. what am I? I'm 46 okay. years old. I don't want to be an old ting. I think old that's thing. like prime ting. Yeah, prime. <laughs> prime ting. You're in your You're prime, in... prime yeah. ting. I think men in the 30s and 40s are when they're at their sexual peaks. See, oh. I took... I'll do yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. Now, now I'm dating an older guy. I love No, you, oi, 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 oi. I love it, five minutes in. And he's really literally, sick. literally. Five minutes in. Wait, sorry, yeah. the reason I said, can I just, I want to talk to the listener here. Listener, the reason I set up those ground rules was not for the podcast, okay? Oh, it yeah. sounded like I was doing it for the podcast. It was for Josh because we were talking about the guy that he is uh, in a situation with, banging, yeah, yeah. and uh, Josh was like, 
Josh was like, oh, yeah. Well, I've talked about him on another podcast. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to save Josh Jones from himself. And then, yeah. Ricky, how long into the podcast did Josh like, now I'm dating? <laughs> we had well, got two minutes. No, but but the point was <laughs> that now, now I've, I've had a, a, a grasp of an older gentleman. I look... <laughs> I, double handed, yeah. I look, a double handed uh, grasp. Yeah, I, I look at men my own age, and I'm like, "Oh, little boys, you know nothing." Like now, I mean, me. But Ricky, you're the age I was when I started comedy, so I think that's why patronizingly, I'm like, "Oh, we young teens." Ah, <laughs> I see. I see. It all makes sense. You're the age. You're the age that I wish I was today. <laughs> <laughs> Sakita never wished to be young. I am forty six. I'm quite. I'm quite happy with uh, being forty six. In in Asian cultures, like men of my age, people often talk call them uncle, don't they? Like, or is it older than? No, they yeah, would say uncle. Like someone called me auntie the other day, and I was like, oh my god, how old do I look? Like, <laughs> your papa was like, hey, auntie. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, stop doing, no, no, no. So but, is auntie and uncle the same in West Indian and African and Indian cultures? Is it auntie and uncle a lot? Yeah, so it's like anyone yeah. who's older, you're, you respectfully call them an auntie or aunt. Oh, no, and someone called yeah. you auntie. Yeah, and someone called me auntie, and I was just like, <laughs> I, I want to bitch slap you right now. <laughs> how, how old was the person who called you auntie? He looked about the same age as me. And I was like, <laughs> it wasn't even like a child or anything. And I was proper like, don't. And I, it was like Saturday night. It was in Soho. And he, oh. he, he oh. was obviously like, he had, he had a bottle of wine in his pocket. And he was like doing his rant. Oh, people think I'm mentally unstable, but I'm not or drunk or high. And I'm like, you know what? You live your best life. Just don't call me auntie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't no. call I am. Okay. Well, that was obviously an age because I am happy. I'm not old enough to be uncle because I, I think I, I think that's a bit older. I'm happy with uncle. I'm absolutely happy with uncle. I'm embracing uh, my, uh, very much like Josh Jones, I'm embracing an older man. Yeah. Uncle Mark. <laughs> uncle Mark. And now it just sounds creepy, mate. Um <laughs> So Josh started when he was uh, 22. Mm -hmm. um, Sakisa is uh, being vague with her age. Uh, but Sakisa, were you uh, were you in your 20s when you started doing stand-up? I was uh, 20. I came into my late 20s, so 27. Oh, okay. So you've been gigging for two years. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a charmer. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thank um, you, Auntie. Um, <laughs> so we're talking competitions because you two... Um, now, I know that both of you were in the final of the BBC competition, and I know this because that's when I first met Sakisa. I met you because I was doing the warm-up for that competition in 2017? That is correct. 2017. And Josh, you were in the final of it in 2019? Yeah, yeah. Um, who uh, who beats you? I don't know if I like to use the word beat. Um, um, Heidi, Ra Heidi Reagan beat me. Okay. More power to her. <laughs> more power <laughs> to her. Uh, she she is good. She's a good right. comic. Um, and Josh Jones. Uh, 
Yeah, and Je- Janine Haruni had a very lucky day that day. Um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, she won. Um, did you do other competitions as well? Yeah, I've done quite a few, but I've not. Um, I've not done like loads. I wasn't that set on them. I was more bothered about doing the circuit, if you know what I mean. I suppose where you are, Josh, it's, they probably have less competition. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of like um, ours is more like gong shows, and can you like smash a gong show? And if uh. not, if not, get out of here. Did you yeah. used to do the gong show because you were in Manchester? Did you used to do Beat the Frog? Yeah, the Frog was my third gig. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, have you have you done a gong show, Ricky? Yeah, yeah, I've done I've done a couple. Yeah, um, some I didn't know that they were gong shows at the time. But, oh yeah, gosh, that was savage. It was savage, but it was so much fun though. I've never done them. Can you can Sakisa, Oh, can... Do, oh, I've done I've done the one I've done the comedy store one in London, which which was painful. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I did it once. And I was like, I can't do this again. It kills myself. I did it on Halloween, uh, and it was on a bank holiday Monday on Halloween. And I was just like, no, it was on bank, it was on Monday, but it, was, it happened to be Halloween. That was it. And I, I decided I was going to dress up like a witch, um, and it was probably the worst decision I ever made. Um, luckily, I decided before I got on stage that we we're going to take off the witch's hat, but Ooh. it was painful to watch all my other comic friends come up. And let you just get gonged off straight okay, away. Okay, so so for people who don't know what a gong show is, can you describe the sort of the way the night works at a gong show? Because there's frog and bucket. There's, but I think there's there's a few, isn't there? I think up there's night. one at up the creek do one as well, and their one is slightly different. So right. the one at the comedy store is that how you come on stage, you start doing your material, and the audience, if they don't like you, they, there's three audience members that got hitting by random and if they don't like you they put their cards up and if all three put their cards up then you're gonged off um and the audience basically can t- will turn on you within like a minute um or even less than that i've seen great comedians go on there and they've been gonged off in like 30 seconds you're like they didn't even get out a joke um but the one up the creek is slightly different where it's the same concept where the three audience members get a card but they give you a minute um, to like make the crowd happy or make the crowd like you, if you want to put it that way. Um, it's Josh, like five you, minutes. Yeah. Have you ever had the gong show thing of, you know, literally thirty seconds and off, or is it different in Manchester? Yeah, they've they've. I got called a faggot at the one in the comedy store. One, it was like my fifth gig, <laughs> and then um, and then I had another gong show literally the day after. Um, because I had one on the Sunday at the store and one on the Monday at the Frog, um, and then I did bad on that one. But um, but yeah, but they're the only two times I didn't make it through. Um, my favourite one is um, in Stockton. Um, do you know in in the northeast, just outside of Newcastle? And I do indeed. Peter Vincent's right. Yeah, Peter, Vin- Peter Vincent. Have you done the arc? Have you seen that? I have. Thing? It's a lovely gig. Yeah, so it's a proper theatre, but when they do the gong show, it's it's like the same sort of situation. It's on a Friday night, so it's like a load of people on 
in because a lot of them are on Sundays or Mondays, you know, like more quieter nights. Whereas the, his gong show is on a Friday night in like um, like a working class town in the north, and they come a bit for blood. And honestly, <laughs> it, it's like. It's quite intense, but it's fucking, it is good, it is good. That's how I feel, though. I feel like when the audience comes out to these type of shows, they're out for you from the beginning. They're like, who can we destroy today? Like, Yeah, yeah. Ricky, did you do the one at the Smoke and Mirrors in Bristol? Yeah, yeah, I did that one, yeah. Um, And what was that like? Was it quite chilled? Was it quite... It, oh, I mean, it was anarchy. Like, oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Like, at one point, this guy who was, like, heckling all night, um, the compere, I forget I forget who it was, but she called him up on stage to do five minutes, and he was a bit pissed, and he killed. He slaughtered the room. <laughs> <laughs> he, he absolutely slaughtered. And everyone loved him. He, he actually did quite well. Like, I hope he's doing comedy now because of that. I don't like him. I hate him. Um, yeah, what an absolute... Yeah, and also, if you go on and you don't do bad... And you do badly or the audience turn or they're messing with you and they fuck with you, if you then come off and you you still have a laugh with the promoter, you don't take it too seriously, like, that promoter will go, okay, well, this is a good person because they understand the kind of... The concept of these gong shows. I've never compared one. I'd love to compare one. I have. I've compared the... Have you? Yeah. Yeah, Were you evil or were you quite nice? I was um, probably too nice. I, (laughs) like, I tried to make it, like, a nice environment to the point where no one was getting gonged off. And I did have to say, like, come on, guys, we need to go home. Some people need to get gonged (laughs) off. Otherwise, the night lasts fucking hours. Um, But do you know what was bad? Then people started getting gonged off because I was like, right, be a bit harsher. And then, (laughs) and then... um, and then this guy got gunged off and he's probably about in his 50s. And I was like, what? Like, oh, like, I'm glad you've started comedy, but like, he, he just looked dead sad and I gave him a hug and I was like, you don't need to be here, mate. Like, <laughs> like, why? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't understand why you would do this for yourself. You've like worked for 30 years and now you're doing this. <laughs> like, I just felt really bad for him. So I'd rather be gonged off than patronised by a young boy in his twenties. No, I did. I didn't say that to him. I didn't say that. Oh, to him. okay. I, okay. I just gave him a hug. I didn't. No, I didn't say it. To him. <laughs> but like, like a, si- a silent hug, you just went up to him and embraced him. Well, he he came off and he was all dead sad, and then I was like, "Do you want a hug?" And he said, "Yeah." So I gave him one. Oh, it was a consensual oh. hug. I know how to hug in 20... It was 2019. I know how to hug. Yeah, but we were able to touch. We were yeah. able My, to touch. I'd like to compare them because they do sound... They sound harsh, but they sound fun. And I've got lots of friends who have compared uh, the gong show in London. My favourite story was someone went on. The compare was talking to them before the gig and he'd had an absolute nightmare. He'd had a nightmare journey. He'd worked all day. He travelled for three hours. The traffic was a nightmare. He was having loads of family problems. He wanted to be there. The compare gave him a lovely introduction, didn't say any of this stuff, just said that this guy was really funny. He went on and the audience 
uh, gonged him off in like 15 seconds. And so he went off and the and the compere went back on and went, look, I have to tell you, this bloke is different. And he told him about his four-hour journey. He told him about his family. He told him about all that shit. We're going to give him one more chance. And so the guy went back on and went, hi, my name's Bob. And then they gonged him off straight away again. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. The crowds are savage. Savage. They don't give a fuck. So that is one end of the extreme, the gong show thing. But Mm -hmm. what about like other competitions? So Ricky, you've not done any competitions yet, have you? Because there haven't been any because we've been in lockdown. Yeah, none, none at all. Just I saw there was a couple that went online. Yeah, but I'm just like, no, don't do that to yourselves. Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not uh, desperate. Like, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sakisa was Sakisa's eyes. Then were like, we are all that desperate. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find when you're doing these competitions, when you're hosting these competitions, that because you were in those competitions, you're nicer or? Do you think, haha, payback time? Like, which... <laughs> no, I think, I think nicer. Do you know what? The only, there was only one person. I am seeing, um, so Manford Comedy Club do like, uh, they did a competition and I am seeing like one of the semi finals. And I was just sat, I already knew quite a few of the comedians like who were on the competition. So I was just sat there talking and there was this, do you know, oh, there was this fucking, do you when you get an open mic who's done about 10 gigs, but they think they wrote that they're the first comedian in the world. So they're like, he's just sat there talking about comedy and it never even, don't know who I am, never saw me. And like telling me about comedy and then like just being quite patronizing to like me and he's like oh are you nervous and I just said I didn't tell him I was MC and I was like yeah I'm a little bit nervous just to like play along with it and he was like oh you'll be fine this is what I do when I'm nervous but then not in like a helpful way just being a just 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 being a cock and then when Peter came over and was like um telling him all the rules and stuff um he he went that guy went like who's who's this Josh Jones who's MCing and and then I was like, oh, it's me. And his face like dropped. And I was like, yeah, fuck you, you patronizing twat. <laughs> like, cause he cause he was like older than me and stuff. But like I um yeah. Um so when he went on stage, I really did want him to die. But he did okay. He did all right. But I, I but apart from him, I'm helpful and hope like um I try and make it for everyone to have a nice time, I think. I'm the same. I'm quite nice to people off stage because you've been in that same position. And we all know that when you're doing competitions, it can be quite nerve wracking. Like I don't like, I hate, I didn't like the competition aspect of doing these type of shows because I don't like feeling judged. Um, And I just want to enjoy the gig. And like, you know, there's a, there's, there's something at stake when you're being judged. And it's the same with like, when I do shows with industry, you're like being judged judge where you can just rather than just in playing to an audience and just enjoying it yeah but audiences are judging you more than anyone else no i don't think so i think audiences are there to have a good time this is why i like when you MC, you have a really nice room and you can just have a laugh and just have a riff and it'd be absolutely lovely but audiences are just judging you on who's the funniest competition 
judges aren't. They're like, they've got a criteria and if you don't meet it, then you don't meet it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, like an X factor uh, criteria, yeah, isn't it? Like, it's not, it's like, the people who win competitions are not necessarily the ones who have the most laughs in that room that night. It's oh, not, really? It's, it, no, it's not judged off laugh-o-meter, I don't think. <laughs> no, not at all, no. no. I did, I emceed um, Two North Downs ran a new competition uh, night, a uh, new competition act competition, mm. and I emceed one of the heats, and I turned up, looked at the list of people that were on it, and remember, it's a new act competition, and someone that had entered it had been going longer than I had. Yeah, that's... And, oh. and I'm like... Ah, and I didn't know whether I should like be like this person's not a new act. <laughs> yeah. I I I was um MC in a heat and the guy on it had been going like 12 years and I was like <laughs> mate, mate no like <laughs> like no because isn't is it an unspoken rule? I've always heard the rule was like five years, like new act yeah. competitions, you've got like five years. That's why I did BBC. Like I'm on my last like year to do mm. it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't apply until my last year to do because I thought that'll be my last competition, and that's probably I would arguably say one of the biggest ones to yeah. do. But yeah, so like um, that's why like I wouldn't rush loads. Neither I wouldn't do like the BBC one. I personally would wait a couple of years to do it. Do you know what I mean? Until you're ready. Yeah, do the smaller yeah. ones first. Yeah, do the smaller ones yeah. to get experience. But I, unlike Josh, I didn't do it in my last. I did it when I was in like year three, but I went in it with like a deer in headlights because mm. I was just kind of like, let's just do this. We're not going to get through. Let's just do it anyway and just see what happens. Um, yeah. When, yeah and, it when... was, and it was I'm just kind of like, no, I was just saying, it was just kind of like I had no expectation of this competition. Oh, mm. and how big it may possibly be, despite yeah. it being BBC and saying BBC Radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you think you're funny? There are there's different eligibility, um, and I don't know about gong shows, and I don't know about uh, some of these other ones, but I know from the biggies, the sort of the national competitions. So you think you're funny, which I think is happening this year actually, because I think they are doing showcases. They are. Yeah. They always say, and I imagine it'll be slightly different with uh, the Pando, but they always say, if the final is in August, you shouldn't have started doing stand up regularly before the September before. So, so you think you're funny is always meant to be the newest comedians, and Josh Jones has got his finger in the air, and Sakisa is waggling as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got so, beef with So You Think You're Funny, but yeah. it's fine. So, so I, I applied, but they wouldn't let me do it because I was honest, and at the time I'd been going like two and a half years, but like, so they wouldn't let me do it, and then I saw like people in the final, like, that motherfucker was going before me. <laughs> they, they just lied. I should automatically get to the final because I'm honest and nice yeah but I'm I, with you Josh I'm yeah. completely with you the so same thing that, happened to me that that whole rule is bullshit I think they should open it up to like the BBC like five years because people are just fucking lying and a lot of the people who have made it through we know the lying because I was digging with them <laughs> in 2016 <laughs> so they can shut the fucking mouths and stop yeah. pretending they've been going for a year. They piss and this me is off. No, it's, not a, it's not a shade or anything like that. It's just fact. 
facts, people. Yeah. It's just facts. <laughs> Ricky, uh, just yeah. for future reference, we are never booking any other gigs and any other acts and any other guests for this podcast that are not Josh Jones and Takisa. It's quite simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we ain't booking Jimmy Carr again. We ain't booking Russell <laughs> Howard. We ain't booking John Richardson. We're just keeping these two because this is the shit that I want. I love the, I love the team. We're we bringing out the team. Bringing out the team. So Wait, what, it was so, so frustrating. I, so what I wanted to do, I, even before we started this episode, I said to Ricky, we're going to call this episode The Heist. Because what I want to do is for people listening to this episode... I want to see if there's a way that we can train people in a heist style vibe using all our skills to get people to the final of a big competition. So you've both been to the final. Now, in the final of a competition, I think getting to the final is the key because getting to the final gets you the uh, gets you the profile, gets you to meet the people, gets you the stage time. Winning is great, but you don't yeah. always have to win. I, I've, um, a bit of a clank. I've got to the final of every competition I've ever done. <laughs> but I, um, this bitch, this bitch. But, yeah. but, I've, but I've never won, never won. Um, but I also like, it doesn't matter because like a lot of the times there's other, like the judges, fuck the judges. They're not important. They're like a lot of like, it's like, pre- like, actual comedy people will come like people who own clubs or whatever people who actually give you money a lot of the times the judges um they don't like run anything so they can't benefit your career afterwards do you know what i mean whereas you get like i've done competitions where people from the comedy store was there are like agents agents go and watch it it's how loads of people get agents and all that stuff so i think if you get to the final don't do a set to win the show. Does that make sense? Like, don't do yeah. a, like, don't try and do like, oh, an interesting thing. Just mm. do, just smash the fucking gig. Like, and just, yeah. yeah, and and do like what you would do if you were winning. If you were like doing a an open spot for a big promoter, you do your yeah. top shit. Don't do them. Oh, this is interesting. This is all like fuck that because you've already at the final, so. <laughs> Like it yeah. really doesn't matter if you win. Just do the try and have the best gig, if that makes mm. sense. So we uh we've we've started with the finals, but let's do the let's start from the beginning. Like nowadays, do you do you have to send in a tape? Do you have to send in a video? Do you have to or do you just appear somewhere? Like how does it how does it often work? Most of them now is you send in a recording of yourself. Like at least a, I think it's like a three minute set or five minute set. And what did like you do? So I uh, I entered competitions uh, when I started way back in the day because I am an old ting. Um, I started so, and we had to. Uh, I entered the BBC competition in 1999 um, before mobile phones were out. So we had to tape ourselves on a little tape recorder and then send the cassette into the producer. Like, wow. do you still have to, like, and I didn't even do it at a gig. And me and Russell Howard started at the same time and we both did our little cassettes like 
in our room. Like we just sort of sat talking into the cassette player oh, and wow. then said, I'm guessing from your faces that that's not what you did. No. Wow. <laughs> no. So for the BBC one, it was an audio. So I just sent in an audio recording that yeah. I had. Yeah. I of, sent a gig. Yeah, that I recorded at a gig. At a gig. Um, on my mobile phone. Because <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> um, I just sent in a clip I already had. and I, But I sent it in on the last day because I was really umming and ahhing whether to do the BBC. But I'd sent it in on the last day. So, I, yeah. Do you think there was anything about your clips that got you through like first of all do you think if you were going up against me and russell doing our cassette tapes in our in our in our bedrooms like do you think that's getting you on now or do you think you have to do it in front of an audience where it shows you getting a good gig no i've known people who just recorded a set Mm. and just sent that in and they still got through okay there was there was like some people on the bbc one when I was in the heat and stuff, where it was like, they've not done that many gigs. And I was a bit like, not like, I was a bit like shocked that they'd they'd got through because they'd done like three gigs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, but I suppose whoever was listening to it liked the stuff yeah, that they Yeah, were. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, yeah. I was just a bit like, oh God, that's, that's crazy. I would have never have done this free gig then I'd be too scared. That's just the balls of the open micers now, isn't it? Yeah. Open micers have got some yeah. balls, bless them. <laughs> yeah, you got to. Now they're starting podcasts and stuff. I know, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is the weirdest. This is the weirdest thing. I was like, no, no, this bitch, this young kid, <laughs> the podcast. I don't even have one. Fuck you. Okay. Hey, mate, this is what happens when you're in Bristol. There's very little else to do. <laughs> Okay, so you send in your... Do you do the best material? Do you do, like... uh, Okay, this is a good question. If you were to look back or listen to the tape that you sent in, what would you think about it? Would you go, oh, shit, you should not have done that? Or do you think, oh, fuck, I was funny then? Which, Which competition are we talking about? Oh, I don't know. BBC, BBC. When you when you sent that tape to them? Well, when I, I just sent them one I already had and it was from just like a club set. So I thought, oh, maybe this is too clubby. Um, and I just, but I just sent it in because I just thought, oh, like, I'm just going to send it in. If they don't want it, they don't want it. <laughs> I, I think I sent in mine that I had recorded, but I was quite wary that how, I think I recorded it specifically for, the BBC, because I knew the criteria was that how you could swear, but don't make it too sweary. Uh, and I'm not a sweary person anyway, but there are some sort of jokes that I do that obviously include swear. So I was just like, let's just be a little bit wary about that. So I think I recorded mine specifically for it, but I I can't listen to myself anyway. <laughs> I would I would be like, no, let's listen to that. Oh, like, are no. you one of those? I'm one of those. I can't do it. I've got friends who, who record every single gig and listen to themselves back to make notes. I, oh, Josh, you're shaking your head. Are you the same? Yeah, but it's just more just because like, I just feel like that would just drive me insane. If you're doing six gigs in a night, like six gigs a week, I don't want to just listen like that's just it's too i feel like you'd get too critical and then just get in your own head and then every every gig will just be 
Like, you've got to enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like if you're recording yourself, you're putting extra pressure on. In Edinburgh, mm. Russell would, uh, especially the first year that he did, uh, we shared a flat in Edinburgh, and he would listen to it. He would record himself every night, and then during the day, would listen to that recording from the night before and make um, uh, and transcribe it and make notes and then put all those notes on his hand, and he would do that every single day. Someone's got time. I was getting yeah. drunk in Edinburgh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's a very rich man now, so he yeah. must have been doing something right, right? No, it, yeah, it's good work ethic and it works, but it doesn't mean I, I don't want to fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're hearing these these conversations, does it make you think, oh, yeah, I want to do these competitions, or does it make you think, oh, that sounds a bit too stressful? Oh, I really want to do them. Like, I'm so sad that because of COVID, I haven't been able to do them. But like, I love the idea of being with like other people at my similar level. And we're all writing material and we see how it compares. Because I literally don't know anyone who's been doing stand up for the same amount of time that I yeah. have, really. Yeah, it's, it is weird like, with the competitions because you make like friend like you make friends with the people it's if you make it to the final you know you do the heat with a few of them then you meet some more in the semis and then i don't know in the final you just have like this really good night together so mm. you you like make really good friends and um so i've just moved to london and uh the person one of the people i've moved in with is someone i met at um Charles Student Comedy Award in 2016 mm. when I'd been going for like I don't know like 10 months or whatever and um and now I'm living in the same house as him but we met at like a yeah a competition gig but also like you get on because especially like competitions from if you run through it from the beginning to the end you get to meet and interact more with the promoters and the people behind the scenes mm-hmm. and you make friends with those um like i'm still in contact with a couple of people that worked on the bbc competition and it's just lovely to like still be in contact with them and occasionally like be like ah follow you on instagram that picture's pretty you bitch and all that yeah. and it's just <laughs> nice um to do that but also there, there is a bit of a a we were talking about obviously the judges and their criteria. I never really understood what people are looking for. And I know some people feel like certain competitions have an agenda and me and Josh obviously are, if you want to call them minorities in terms of obviously I'm a black woman and Josh is obviously gay. (laughs) Did you just say, did you say obviously? <laughs> what? I try and hide it. Yeah, no, right? If you don't see these TikToks, they are so straight. <laughs> but I feel like uh, like I got told um by uh by someone who it's not like I don't think it was meant it in a shady way, but it was like the only reason why you got in that competition is because you are a black woman. Okay. Um yeah. and then it did, did you punch what, them? Did you punch them? Please. No, punch. I didn't punch them. I'm not. I'm not that evil. But um, it was. I do see why they why that why they said that, especially in my year, because it did feel like maybe from an outside point of view, if you hadn't seen a whole competition, it did feel like it was a box picking like situation. It was me. There was someone who was disabled. There was Heidi Rake who was queer. 
um, and female. There was two white guys. Um, they had to put in the white guys, but before one of the white guys had oh, it was Morgan Reese who was in it because he was replacing um, an Asian. Uh, I think she was Asian, or like it was another PLC woman. Um, yeah, so I did, did. Yeah, I did Morgan. Did, I think Morgan made the mistake of browning up for that night as well. Yeah, I think, no. yeah. I think that really ruined his chance. <laughs> so hold on. So hold on. Are we saying I I can 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 I go off the back of what Keith has said? Please. As well. Yeah. I oh God, I can speak about this for fucking ages. Um <laughs> like, no, yeah, I did um the Hackney New Empire. The Hackney oh, yeah. Empire, whatever. I wouldn't yeah. do that gig because the Nazis. Yeah, I, I, I um, don't have a good experience from that. Not the stage thing, but they made us go upstairs and meet all the the fucking judges or whatever. And I don't know how many of them were judges, but there was loads of people, and a lot of them were just like old fucking posh as fuck people and then literally one of them was like oh you had a really good gig but it just seemed too clubber and too northern you're very very northern and i was like well i can't stop being northern can I, you dickhead and left <laughs> i was like I'm, I, I haven't got a problem with this the the thing is like with like with I get less with judges and stuff. I get less bothered about the gay thing. Like that doesn't really, that's more other comedians who are not happy in their career. So they like blame me doing well on the fact that they can't write jokes. But like, I, I get annoyed with the competitions because they say like what something they say is like, oh, too clubber, too clubber, which I think is kind of like, oh, it's, I do think when it comes to clubbiness and Edinburgh, like when people like talk about club comics, it's there's a bit of classism in it. I think you could say I'm wrong, but like I do think there's a bit of that. And it's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, I had the best gig. So what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Mm, it yeah. just it just pisses me off. There is not a. There's not a so I do lots of TV warm up and I do lots of these shows, the big panel shows, the big comedy shows, and not, thanks, mates. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was unemployed for eighteen months, so I am definitely having a swagger now that work is back. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, no, wait, wait, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I didn't you do like a TV warm and there was like no audience, so you had to walk just the crew. <laughs> I have done this as well, mate. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, also, I mean, let, I mean, if we're going there for who wants to be a millionaire, um, I was just there to warm up Jeremy Clarkson. I mean, it is, it, <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm what, just did there. Play, did you play games? Like, did you just like play snap or something? We just had a chat, bit of dance. Um, my point, my point is and it's it's agreeing with josh's point there is not a single famous comedian on the telly your jack whitehall's your jimmy cars your michael mcintyre's your john richardson's your russell howard's your sarah pascoe's uh, uh your rosie Joneses now who um have who, who did not regularly smash club gigs like mm. Like that's the thing about those people, Greg Davis, uh, everyone, Sarah Millican. Like we think of her as 
as the presenter and we think of her as the podcast lady and we think of her as the arena comic and you think of her as the writer and all that sort of stuff. The reason McIntyre, the reason Sarah, the reason all those people got off the circuit because no one else could touch them on the circuit. Like it was making gigs really fucking difficult because they'd go on and they would absolutely smash it. So I get really annoyed when people say it was a bit too clubby. Yeah. And I'm like, mate, I could show you, I could show you every single one of those comics has absolutely smashed circuit gigs. Yeah. So what does that mean? Like, how would you well, define it's just, a bit too clubby? Well, it's um, well. This is me being a, a a club comic. I would define it as being fucking funny, but um, <laughs> um, and not just making points. But like, I do think like it's jokes first. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be fucking like punchy fucking jokes. You're making an atmosphere like doing club gigs, like. Mm. But like that's why like in the north, that's why everyone does all the all the gong shows and stuff because the gigs that we do they're all like small town gigs for like big burly northern men and if you walk on stage as a like flamboyant young gay man and just like be whimsical they're gonna be like they're gonna fucking eat you alive you have to go in quick with punchlines and and like show your dominance yeah what i would say is in the past, and it's definitely getting better, but in the past, circuit gigs were basically, Ricky, your jonglers gigs. Your, and, and they were just Friday and Saturday night, chicken in a basket gigs. Uh, by the way, I really miss chicken in a basket. I fucking love chicken in a basket. Um, <laughs> but those sorts of, I just love that food. I love the food that you yeah. used to be able to get at, at jonglers. Uh, chicken nuggets with cheese on them. Love that shit. Um, <laughs> Sakisa, I love that shit. Don't look Spons at me like that. Sponsored by fried chicken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like. But the thing about those, the thing about the circuit ages ago is you're right that it is about funny, funny, funny. But in the past, a lot of the stuff that was done by these people was almost interchangeable. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like you yeah. could have just like shit loads of white men of a certain age doing jokes and you could go, well, actually that joke could just belong to that bloke or that joke could just mm. belong to that bloke. Whereas if you're funny, but you're also funny revealing a part of yourself, being who you are, saying who you are on stage, then that's the thing that can help get you on telly mm. as well. And I think people used to think that Edinburgh was just like, if you talk about your dead dad in your Edinburgh show, then people will go, oh, okay, so he knows how to do the sensitive part of an Edinburgh show. But actually, you can reveal that much about yourself just by being, like Josh said, as funny as fuck. Does that make yeah. sense? Okay, so the heist. Uh, we send in our tape, a good tape, uh, video or audio, and then you basically are saying, like, the heist, that I had this idea that I would use all of your wisdom from getting into these finals and experience... You're basically saying that the heist is just to have a really good gig, right? Yeah, and, and as well, <laughs> I, I would say if you want actual advice to new comics doing a competition, have a have a proper strong opener and have a yeah. proper strong closer and yeah. leave on a joke that's like, fucking hell, yeah. did he just leave on that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then being rememberable. Rememberable? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Rememberable. <laughs> I don't know all the words. <laughs> but, uh, 
but yeah yeah i just i say stay true to yourself um and i completely agree that you need to open with a strong joke and then close with a banger so they remember who you are we we talked very briefly um, and i will let you go but we talked very briefly about that idea of Taking boxes in competitions and and diversity in competitions, and I I didn't I didn't like it when someone said that Josh was too nor too northern, and I didn't like it when Sakisa was like like that's not a thing, is it? I suppose we we do have to make sure that competitions aren't full of straight white men because that would just be a boring final, right? Mm. It would be, but can I just say there was one competition, it was funny women, and I love funny women. This is no shade to funny women. It was just I found it hilarious that I think it was 2018 that everyone in, in the final was queer apart from Laura Smith, who ended up winning the competition. Okay. Everyone in that final was queer apart from Laura Smith. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, is that? Is there something going on in this competition? <laughs> yeah, is this is this a new lesbian competition? I didn't know I was yeah, in. Am I getting fingered right now? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, my worry is, uh, like, I, I love the... Because uh, this podcast came out of some of the diversity projects and bits and pieces we do in Bristol uh, because there were just too many white boys doing comedy uh, and we're just trying to mix it up a little bit. One of my big problems is the middle classness of of mm. competitions and the circuit and and yes. all that stuff. Oh, hold on, uh, Josh, give Josh me. Josh, get ready. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I can see. <laughs> Take off. This is brilliant. Uh, this is why we should do this on video sometimes because I could see Josh's shoulders go through. <laughs> and I was like, Josh, let me just say a little bit more before you come. But basically, what what I love about comedy is since doing comedy, I have got to meet. So many different. <laughs> what does that say? BBC, BBC Edinburgh, Edinburgh festivals. Festival. Right? This right. is what I nicked from the from the competition. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say. <laughs> well, well, there you go, uh, Sakisa. I don't know uh, if you're working class, middle class, or the gentry, but the fact that you stole a mug from the competition yeah. you're in <laughs> makes me think of the type of person that I respect. <laughs> um, but. Josh, do you find when we talk about kind of diversity in comedy that we do sometimes forget that it's not just about uh, sexuality and it's not just about uh, race, but it's also about where you live in the country as well? Yeah, yeah. I think they should. I am. Well, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I have moved to London in the last month. But I do think a lot of like a lot of people who get on TV and stuff like newer comics getting on TV is all very London centric. Like I've moved here so I can't like get ignored. I didn't want to live here. I would have rather have lived in Manchester. Also, the train from Manchester to London is really expensive. Yeah, yeah. And but it's it's just like um, as well when I've spoke to, you know, people you meet industry people a lot of the people who work in tv and all that stuff the, a lot of them are like quite middle class like posh southerners as well and it's funny like some of the conversations they're like 
so you're gay and you grew up in Manchester? I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty big city. Like, what the fuck? They're expecting, like, I lived in a fucking skip. Like, it's just like... <laughs> like, like it's oh an my episode God. of Transported. Yeah, like, <laughs> what was it like in the north of England? I'm like, yeah, we've got trams and, like, good shops. Like, it's a... <laughs> yeah, I was there the other day. Manchester's yeah. banging. Like, yeah, like is banging. Like... Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> but it's like... I don't know when when you speak to them. I think because I'm like gay and northern, they're like, "Oh my god, what is this fucking grey unicorn sort of northern <laughs> gayness?" It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just quite weird. But I do feel like with industry um, people, one of our conversations, being gay has never been like the like it's not a big deal is it really but like they speak about like northernness or whatever and it's kind of like fetishizes it do you know what i mean like oh this gay northerner like yeah 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 and it's like yeah but um but like where are all your other northern voices and it, and and yeah just i just i think if the circuit isn't classist at all really and um, the actual weekend gigs on the circuit we're making money but when it comes to like um the industry which is like tv and competitions basically like the main competitions i do think that's quite um yeah quite classist and i do think they should have more northern people not just northern but like scottish like welsh whatever they should not just have like if there's a competition and there's 10 people in the final let's not have nine of them live in london that's what i think yeah and also diversity like there are gay people in cornwall there are black people yeah in yeah, yeah there are yeah. trans people in the northeast like it's not like this there are working and there are working class people this is what i i do sometimes get a little bit annoyed when with this idea of your Manchester comics or your Manchester audiences can get a bit annoyed when they see a Southern comic coming on, not mm. realizing that there's a lot of working class people around the London area as well. Yeah, like, 100%. Like, yeah. In bright, yeah, absolutely, Sakisa yeah. the Mug Stealer. There are, <laughs> like, there are working class people in Brighton. Do you know what I mean? Sean Walsh yeah. grew up in Brighton. He didn't grow up in a posh middle class family. Like, and and that's what I love about stand-up. I just love the fact that, you know, it's as big a range of people as possible. And hopefully competitions, because they have to reach out, competitions can hopefully find those people. That's all yeah. I, 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 I do think they should make more of an effort to do heats and stuff, like um, in different parts of the UK, because when they do heats, it is like mainly... The Southern base, yeah. So this four, like, what was what was that, Sakisa? What was I your think f- it's like normally in the top in the four, isn't it? It's like there's normally like there's like normally like five in London, one yeah. in Manchester, yeah. one in Bristol, yeah. one in Wales, and that's it. So yeah. it's like I do think they should they should be the competition people should, and it's not even about class. It is more just about where like different accents, different like parts of the UK. I do think they should make more of an effort to not expect everybody to come to London. For different everything. stories as well. That's yeah, why I, I had the back to front one where I was doing the funny women competition. Um, it was the last time I entered it and I, they didn't give me a London heat. Um, just to say how many people entered from London. They didn't give me a London heat. 
and me, I had to travel to Manchester to do it at Frog and Bucket. Um, and it was in a, it was during the week, and it was me and maybe like three other London comics. Oh, okay. Were up in Manchester, so we were like, we have to travel just to do like it's basically yeah. we wasn't getting paid. Obviously, the travel yeah. as you as you know from London to Manchester is horrendously expensive. <laughs> um, and like we literally had to rush to get the last train back. So, so we, I've had the back to front of yeah. it. Yeah, and you yeah. need to make sure you need to basically make sure that people can access comedy and comedy competitions as easy as possible. I think that's kind of, yeah, I think that's what we say. Um, Ricky, was there anything else uh, that you <clears throat> wanted to, could you just been listening uh, like the good student you are to this? Oh, captain, my captain. Yeah. You get an uh, A in this exam. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't worry, I will. Ah, uh, yeah. One question. What? So, okay. So you were saying that, um, that it's not about, it's not like a laugh a meter of who goes through or who does well at yeah. competition. So like what what is it? Like what are the what is the criteria or the kind of unspoken thing that people are looking for? Josh? I've I think I don't wanna slag anybody off who's won a competition. <laughs> uh, but I do think a lot of it well, like with like with certain ones, it's like um who's kind of already hot that year, sort of, whatever. I do think that is part of it. Um, and as well, like... What's trending. Yeah, what's trending. And it's like, um, if someone's already having a good year and they're doing a debut, then, like, it's... I don't know, it helps the competition to, like, yeah. link themselves yeah. to that. And then, uh... and then there's also, like... Um, you know, like narrative, if it's like, we've never had anyone with this story before, like, um, do you know what I mean? Writing as well. Yeah. But as but as well, I wouldn't even worry about it too much because I don't think winning is a big deal, literally. To get to the final of a competition, you just have to have the funniest gig of the heat and the semis, and that's it. But also, I think competitions for someone in your position, Ricky, is great experience yeah for for you to learn what's to come it's it's like a stepping stone it's something that we all do as part of comics we've all entered competitions you just got to do it in order for you to like move on to the next bit and then about five years time you will look on today's competitions and you'll be like i'm a different person i'm a different comic you're not going to be the same comic as you was when you entered these competitions so both me and josh i saw josh in the bbc uh, final and he's a completely different evolved amazing he was amazing anyway bastard but he's okay. amazing he's amazing now so it's um it's an evolution of yourself and you you will look at it and be like okay cool we'll move on mm. and as well it's just a really really good friend way to make friends friends and, yeah and, and the people who do the competitions with you they're normal they're gonna be at your levelish yeah. sort of thing so you're kind of going to progress with people at the same time. So it's like instead refreshing. Like, so when you're doing a, like, if you're in Edinburgh and you're doing like a big gig or whatever and you're absolutely shitting yourself. Or like, if they do, like they did a TV show in lockdown and it was mine and Sakisa's. We both did our first stand up on TV. And a lot of people <coughs> who did, did that, that, because they had a lot of newer acts on doing the first telly thing. A lot of the comics on it 
who and it was their first stand up on TV things. They've been going around the same time as me and Takisa, and we all kind of know each other from competitions. Mm. So we want we it can, together. Yeah. yeah. So we can kind of shit our pants together. If you yeah. know I mean. And, it just and it's makes... always nice to be with friends when you're doing those kind of things. Yeah. Isn't it? So... Yeah. Uh, Ricky, handy. Very handy. Oh, yes, completely. Handy. You just have yeah. to think about when you want to do it, mate. You just have to think about when you want to start. I mean, you've done 24, 25 gigs. So at the moment, maybe the advice from Sakisa and Josh, because they both wait, they were both gigging for longer than you are now before they did it. Maybe wait a bit um, for the bigger competitions. Maybe have fun with the smaller competitions. Go to Manchester, London, do the gong show to experience it. But for a lot of them, just take your time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just slow and steady by the sound of it. I just say, bang out as many as you can this. Bang out as many gigs as you can this year. Do the smaller competitions. Then next year, twenty twenty two, do who you think you're so you think you're funny, amuse me, uh, um, do all of those, and then yeah. the year after, do BBC. And don't be honest with so you think you're funny. Just tell him you've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell him you've done two gigs and you don't even know what a microphone is, and then you'll probably <laughs> um, uh, Sakisa and Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank thank you. you so much for all of this advice, uh, Ricky. Uh, I mean, I, I joked about it. I genuinely, we've never had repeat guests yet, but we have to get these two on again, right? Yeah, definitely. You have an incredible chemistry. Yeah, get us on together. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, a pair. Thank you, you two. I will see you both very, very soon. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain.